0: What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this is another Two Line Music Huts Entertainment Report podcast. And today, we have a really special guest in the building. Listen, this man is the only surviving member of one of Jamaica's greatest trio. We're talking about Mr. Judge from the Mighty Diamonds. How are you doing, Big Boss?
1: Well, I'm just hanging in there, you know, trying to get over this tragedy, you know.
0: All right. Before we even get into what brought us here today and everything, I really want to go through the journey to see how we even got here in the first place. All right. So my first question for you is this, where did you grow up in Jamaica and what type of child were you?
1: Well, I grew up in the, um, I was born in Jubilee, Aspen, and Kingston, and I grew up in the ghettos of Trenchtown. And what type of child were you growing
0: up in Trenchtown?
1: Well, you know, well, we, I was from a. Uh, not a rich background, poor humble people, you know. But they tried their best. They went to school. Learning all I could. I won a scholarship when I was nine years old. And I started attending college. You know, but even though we were in the ghettos, where things is not that easy, and we tried our best, you know. My parents tried their best to do what they could. You know. Yeah. Trench, trench town, the music city. Yeah. Okay.
0: And when did you actually discover music? Was it something you seen around, something you heard in-house? When did you actually start to discover your love for music?
1: Well, uh, from I was growing up, a youngster, I always loved music, you know, but I didn't see that time to be something used like professionally. Mm -hmm. Because at one time, Me, Judd, me, um, Tabby and Bonnie were at the same school, Boys Town. We didn't collaborate with each other at school. As I am the eldest of the group, Mm -hmm. I was in sixth class. Bonnie was in fifth class and Tabby was in second class. But we all lived in the same area, Trench Town. Okay. And who were some other
0: musical acts that you remember seeing around Trench Town at that time there?
1: Well, you got people like, um... Bob Marley and the Wheelers, Toots and the Metals, the and a couple of other people, you know. But what really happened is that enough people say things, and I hear they say a lot of things, and then they, they, they don't even know what was what because they see him Toots. Mm-hmm. When when Toots, was, Toots came from country, Toots came to Trench Town and lived there. And to started playing music, playing, walking with his guitar, playing music. And everywhere Toots went, I went, I was right there with him, walking up and down with him because I love the music, you know? And then in an earlier, a later time, we started rehearsing in yard, in Trench
0: Song. From there, so even now, you with Toots and everything, he's around. So even you, you said that um, you were in school, you won a scholarship when you are nine and stuff. What were you in school? What did you think you were going to become when you were in school? What did you want to become at that time there?
1: Well, my passion was to become a doctor. Okay. And I, I still love the profession, you know, mm-hmm. because I, I study a lot about medical things, you know. So my, I, was, I wanted was to be a doctor, but... Unfortunately, then my parents at the time couldn't afford, so I was had I was, I was to just let it be. So then when you were
0: finished school, did you actually start working somewhere or you just went straight into music after you finished school?
1: No, I didn't went straight into music. When I was young coming up, what really happened, you know, was a young man coming up, in 16, 17, coming up, and they had girlfriends and thing, and then girlfriend got pregnant. Then I noticed now there comes responsibilities and thing. I, I, I was, to, I joined the army. Okay. And then, and then after I joined the army, I was told that police get better pay. So I switched and I went over to the police force. I spent three years with the army and seven years with police. Was this, so this was before
0: you got into music or while you were in music, you're doing police and music?
1: Well, before I got into music, eventually I was in the army then when when I went and then I started rehearsing with Bunny and Tabby, went over to police, even when I was a police we were singing it tunes like right time and those shoes. You were a police at that time there? Yes. Never knew that boss. Uh,
0: uh. Okay. So even before that, okay. So then you're police. So then now when you said, okay, you're police, when did you actually decide to start venturing more into music then?
1: When I was working there, station at the Armand Barracks, I used to sing at the time before we make a tune. And they were teasing me, say, better go do government work and stop talking. So I said, okay, I'm going to make a tune, you know? Mm-hmm. And after I made the tune. And that's when we started doing tours and things, and that's when I branched away from the the police work. And everybody in the group, they branched away from their their work also, because Bonnie was a welder by trade, and Tabby also.
0: Okay, so how did you guys even decide to be a group? Because you said you guys went to school together. So then when did you guys decide to make this group here?
1: Well, it's after leaving school, and we were there. I used to be up and down because it was a three-man group era, you know. -hmm. So I was looking for two more persons to sing with. And I went through a lot of people and I didn't choose any because I didn't hear what I wanted. Actually, Bonnie and Tabby, they went through the same people and so they didn't see anything. So it's that night now, it was, don't remember the exact date, but it was December. 1969, on a street called 10th Street in Frenchtown, where I was speaking with a girl named Maggie. And there was Bonnie coming down the road. He was coming from another railroad. shop. And Tabby was coming up the road. And I was watching. They stopped and they spoke to each other. And then they turned and went inside a yard. That yard was a one of our brethren named Junior. Mm. So when I see that, I knew they were going to start singing. And they were going to play music. So I, I I, told the girl, Excuse me, I soon be back. And I went towards the yard. As soon as I went inside and I approached them, they were in a room sitting down. Then as I reached up to the door, Bonnie stretched me the guitar and said, well already. Hmm. And we started singing. So it's only good. It was a tune from the intruders called 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years of love. So it sounded good and we decided to say, well, all right, we can start something from here, in a group and thing. So we actually started singing. We rehearsed for three years before we seek an audition. But meanwhile we were we were all over the place doing talent shows and you know all them things. And we, we were always winning the shows, you know? Hmm. So we realized we had something good there. So we continue with it. What was your name when
0: you guys start first, came together as a group?
1: When we first started work, working together as a group, we had we we had the name the Limelights. How did you guys come up with that there? Well, you know, um, actually, you know, the, the name Limelights, you know, like that name sounds like something out there, you know? You want to be in the limelights, you want to be in the thick of things, and so we choose that name. But that didn't that name didn't rest there because after a little while we we started recording. We actually recorded the first tune for um Stranger Cole, which was his brother-in-law at the time. Okay. So it was a tune called Oh No Baby, which I had written. Mm -hmm. So we decided that we would want another name. So we went to his mother and asked her, said, can I give me a name for the group? And she, she said to him, So, okay, call it diamond." So we, we actually uh, sit with the Diamonds. So when we went to channel one and started recording these now, they add the mighty to it. That's where they added the mighty, because I think that
0: same first song you're talking about that you guys recorded for Stranger Call on the record, was it Tabby and the Diamonds? Right, that's what they label it, but the group was just the diamond. Mm-hmm. At that time there, before we even go too far, your name, Judge,
1: how did you get your name, Judge? <laughs> well, this is from I was a little youth coming you know? up. I am I am not a man with that smiling face, so most time people see me, they think, oh, that man looks serious, and, you know, but from I was a baby, so I got the nickname Judge, you know, so I look serious like a judge, but it's not like that, it's just that. I don't have that smiling face, but if you deal with me, you will find me a different person. Mm-hmm.
0: To tell you the truth, I knew when I asked the question, almost 100%, that was the answer. But I said I had <laughs> to ask anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> even, so even with Bunny and Tabby, do you, do you know how they got their names also?
1: Well, Bunny, they call him Bunny, like Bunny Rabbit, you know? Because <laughs> he was a man, he, well, they they were the person who loved to smile more than me and the and bunny know, he had this look, look like a bunny rabbit mm-hmm. <laughs> and Tabby though. tabby though, like Tabby the cat. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, he's just quiet and, you know, mm-hmm. so they call him
0: Tabby. Got you. Good information there. So even there was something I heard you mentioned a couple of times that Tabby passed you the guitar and said, play a rhythm. And you also wrote a song. How do you learn to play the guitar? And how did you even know you could write music?
1: Well, <clears throat> Actually, I'm left-handed, and guitar, uh, the, the guitars are all it's string up for a right-handed person, but that didn't help me back. I I played left-handed. So all poor people even didn't really understand that, but I did it. <laughs> okay. You know, so I actually, when we make tunes, I was the man who played the guitar first to rehearse. I don't know if you noticed um, a video that they played, and in Charlie One, we Trevor was sitting down singing for a long time. Of course. Yeah. Famous, I was famous video. the guitar, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. And where, where did you learn to play the guitar? Because one thing you, whenever you speak to people from Trench Town, especially in that era, everybody wanted a guitar, guitar,
1: guitar. Yes. Because be you know what, you know what, in those times, you know, you didn't have enough money and a guitar was the only thing we could afford, you know? The only cheapest instrument we could afford. So, the man got a guitar. Now, actually, how I learned to play the guitar, I was taught by um one of my friends called Baga, Earl Walker, his name. I think he's deceased now, but he learned me to play the guitar, and he he was a man who was self-taught, you know? Mm-hmm. Nobody teach him to play, and he played even the bass and all those things. Because he played a lot of tune, even Dennis Brown, No Man's An Island. I got played bass line on those tunes. I also played a bass line on the diamonds tune long time. No, the same the same tune that we were playing in with in the studio channel one with playing the guitar. I was the man who played the bass in studio on that tune.
0: Okay. From there. And even writing, because you said you wrote you wrote songs. How did you learn to write music and how did you know you could actually write a song?
1: Well, I didn't even know I could write a song. You mean I mean like lyrics. That came that actually came from God himself because not even when I was writing certain songs I didn't even know how it came about the, the in the inspiration just keep on coming and we keep and keep on writing but the thing is this it's not every day or every time you get the inspiration so when you get it you just got it you know and 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 it's not it's not it's not every day so actually, I wrote the lyrics, set them to melody, arrange them. And then the group m- meet, we, we, we rehearse, and we we sing the tunes to Tabby. Tabby learned them, and then he sing the lead. Actually, when this group just formed, I was the lead man. You were but the lead? I discovered like, when me and Bunny sing harmonies, when Tabby singing lead, it has a certain sound. And I say, yes. This is the song that you want to portray. So I step back and tell Tabby, say, okay, you lead the group. I will sing harmonies with Bunny. I never even tell him that. It's about five years ago I told him that. That's why I did that. And he didn't even understand, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's how it is. So I was the man who really got the music at times, and I went to um, fit them, fit lyrics to, 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 to rhythms. Mm-hmm. Actually, we were one of like one of the first people who started doing that. And you would think that we were in the studio at the same time when the music was being made, but it's not like that. I had even the right time on those tunes. When those tunes were being laid by Sly and the Revolutionaries, we were not nowhere near the studio. You weren't around. Okay, we're going to get there
0: just now. We're not ready for that Channel 1 because that's a big part of your journey right there. So even now, the first song, you guys said you res- recorded the first song for Stranger Cool Yes. And how did that do for you guys' career as a group at that time there?
1: Well, that didn't do anything because when recorded a tune, you know, actually Stranger Cole didn't really have money to promote the tune because in the old days, you really have to have money to spend to get the tune played and get promoted. So he didn't have money for that. So we um went to Rupi Edwards at Orange Street. Rupi Edwards you now was a big time producer. So we auditioned for him, and he accepted us, so we recorded this tune called Girl Are Too Young. So that was the first tune started playing for us on the radio. Mm-hmm. We didn't even know we were to get paid for anything like that. So all we wanted was to do was to record the tune. He had his, his radio program on Fridays, so we, we anywhere we are, we were slow on Fridays at about 7 o'clock the the tune played, you know. It was just the excitement of hearing
0: the song playing.
1: Right. Uh, and the love for the music, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So then where do where do you guys go next half? Because now you guys have two recorded songs under your belt. What was next for the group now?
1: Well, next for the group, we still we still was pressing on recording because we have my we don't get iTunes yet. So we went to Derek mm. At the time Derek Harriet had chosen few who was making a lot of hits. When we auditioned for Derek. I don't know what he heard, but he didn't want to clash at his place with me and Chosen Few. So he took us to Dynamic Sounds, where we record a tune called Mashup. And how did Mashup do for you guys now? Mashup didn't do well either.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so so we, heard what? we went to Jalides now, whose Pat Francis is deceased now, mm-hmm. and we record a tune for him called Shame and Pride. Hmm. Well, Shame and Pride made a little, a little noise, you know. diamonds started to be recognized slightly. Locally in, in Jamaica, so, started playing, but still, it wasn't, it wasn't there yet. So, actually, we spent about four years, five years at a time, and we said, boy, I don't look like we're to tune. We decided to leave the business. Okay. So we had some we had some tapes, mm-hmm. and we we went to Channel one or that's the Chinese people and mm-hmm. and we we spoke with, with Joseph who came and told him what was going on and said, "Boy, we can't make night no tune, so we have this tape, where I like sell it to you if you want buy it, you know? and I'm saying, "Yeah, so you, are, you one of our money, you bought the tapes and bread. So I'm saying, "Yeah, we buy the, the tapes still in the water. I want to record some songs for me still." I said, okay, so we went into the studio and we did the first session for him. Mm-hmm. We recorded, we did some cover. We did like um. Country Living, yes. Hey Girl, and Stone of My Mind. Mm-hmm. So Country Living took off in England. Our version, our style, we were from the stylish city made a name there so from that we can't go to England and don't do that tune. Hmm. So actually you now we went back into the studio you now channel one studios that is when sliding made all those rhythms right time rhythm roof rhythm and never look poor Marcus all of them so actually I went to Jojo, Jojo gave me the cassette with all those rhythms it was it was ten rhythms Mm-hmm. And I, I actually wrote seven songs on the Right Time album. And then he did collaborate and did the other three. Mm-hmm. And the Right Time album now, when we sing Right Time, when I started to play instantly, that, that became my hit show.
0: That was, so this was Right Time was your first hit song as a group. First now. one. Yes. Okay, before we even get, I'm going to keep right time in my mind, but this is what I want to know, because you said you went to Jojo to go sell him sell him the music that you guys had recorded earlier. So then you just wanted, so you guys just figured, okay, if you guys have five songs or whatever was on the tape, that you sell it to him for whatever price and that's it, you don't make back any more money after that. That's what you guys
1: figured at that time there? Oh, well, he didn't actually buy the tape. He just told us that, but after we start singing there and then, Second session, with did day tune all. They didn't even buy the tape again. All them things, we start making it. tune and starting traveling out, going on tours. Mm-hmm.
0: So when Right Time came out now, how did you guys know that, okay, this is a hit right here? Was it like you heard it all over the radio? It was in
1: dance. How did you know this was the big song right now? No, well, what rock really happened you now, when we did the album in those days, you don't, get, you don't even get advances, nothing from the producer. What you did, you just did the song and leave it with the producer to do whatever to really get it up. What our promotion really came from the dance hall and I'm not really the radio of such. Mm-hmm. Dance hall, when the dance was very popular in Jamaica and the sound system called King Attorney. That that the song system that really promote Diamonds in the dance, mm-hmm. and of course the songs they used to sell a lot of dub dub mix from the songs. Mm-hmm. So actually, our songs were mostly produced by the song system in the dance. Mm-hmm. So even did you guys even with song system? Did you
0: guys ever go sing on any songs, or you guys were more recording and stage show artists at that
1: time there? No, we were more recording and stage shows. Um, most most of the, the dancehall thing was being done by DJs. Mm-hmm.
0: So, you guys think there. So, then now you guys have this big album here, When the Right Time Comes. And it's also in brackets, I Need a Roof. That was the original name of the album there. So, then now you said this is when you guys started to really take off. So, where was the first place you guys
1: traveled to as the Mighty Diamonds now? Well, the first place we went to sing as Mighty Diamonds was in New York, to be exact, in Manhattan, at this place called Hunter's College. At that time, you had a DJ on the radio, which was Ken Williams, from WLIB. He was a man like this, when he started bringing you in, into town, he promote you to the top. So when you come to town, you are big, you know, so when Ken Williams done done with us, when we when we land in Manhattan, and college we, man. We were we were so big, mm-hmm. and the tune was 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 doing well. Right time album was doing well along with Bob Marley, Rastaman Vibration album. Mm-hmm. You know, and Ken Williams did a good job. But at first, Jojo didn't want us to go to New York, you know, because he didn't want us to know our records were selling. Okay. So we went on one night late and called Ken Williams on the radar where he was working in New York. And he said, man, I'm trying to get to you guys so long. And Jojo said, you guys are not coming. You're not interested. And so what, we are coming now, tomorrow morning. So he set up the thing and we went there under the show. And when we do that, we do two shows for him. One in Manhattan, one Tats College and one in another place called Colgate Gardens. Mm-hmm. So we were even saying, Ken, it's just two shows. What, what? And so, okay, man, don't worry, sir. And it's since that, man, we can't stand show. Hmm. You know?
0: So uh, then after those shows, you went back to Jamaica after those two shows in New York?
1: Yes. And then after that, we were off to England. How was that? Mm-hmm. We did the first thing we did a, a big rock festival in England. And in those days, the, the place in, in England called Bristol, reggae has never been played. And we went here to play reggae and this big rock festival being Uri. Okay. And it was it was trouble because when we hit the stage, one side of the, the, the public didn't want to hear the, the, the reggae. And the other side wanted to hear what it was like. So, we started singing and one side started flinging rotten eggs and meat on the stage. <laughs> but we st- the, 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 the idea was to get us to run out of the stage, but we didn't do that. Mm-hmm. We stood there and we sing and sing and sing until we got a- about five and core. Mm-hmm. And then we got there, one side fighting the other side, and we actually came over. The star of the show was a man called Johnny Rotten and the Mm -hmm. Sex Pistols. Okay.
0: So at this time here, was um, Jojo managing the group at this time or who was the management of the group at this time here now?
1: Jojo was never a manager for Mm Diamonds. What Jojo did was sign the contract with Virgin like a fourth member of the group, which was illegal. Up to this day, his name is coming on papers and We never, we never, Jojo, we was never in a group with Jojo. We never sang a song with Jojo, you know. But at the time, the manager was Copeland Farb. We we started, we were the first person who started out with Copeland Farb as doing group management.
0: Okay. And you said even Virgin, because I know you guys did one album and then you guys got to Virgin. How did you guys even connect with Virgin in the first place?
1: Well, what really happened is that when the tune took off, you know, they heard they heard the tune. So actually, the big man himself, Richard Branson, he came to Jamaica and to listen. He listened to, to, to the album and he loved it. And he decided to sign the group. Mm-hmm. 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 Okay, so he came
0: down personally, and you guys connected with him personally when he came down.
1: Yes, he came down into Channel One, JoJo, and well, he listened to the album. Not even in the studio either. He came to Bunny's house and listened to, to, to the album. Mm-hmm. And then he decided to sign the group. Mm-hmm. And was that, do you
0: think that was the good move for the group at that time there?
1: Well, yes, at that time, because the Virginia is a big record company who had Janet Jackson and all those big artists. So they started touring the group. Mm-hmm. So what really happened is that they took us to England first. But what happened really after that is that we find out that Virgin wasn't really doing that lots of promotion because they find out that they could just sell records. Mm-hmm. So they didn't do a lot of promotion. We actually had us to leave the, 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 the company. We told them that we wanted to get released from the contract because they're not doing anything for the group. But you guys recorded, what, two albums for Virgin? No, we actually recorded four albums for Virgin. But what really happened, when we did the first album, mm-hmm. they took us, said Virgin, to New Orleans. Say the New Orleans beat is close to Jamaican beat, so they're going to fuse them together. Mm-hmm. So it was like an experiment. So we said, we don't think that we're working. You know? So I hope they don't um, I hold us responsible if it don't work. And that's exactly what happened, because when we went there, they said, Light parts. So Who's going to come to play. Mm-hmm. So we were there for two weeks. They gave us a lot of tapes to some songs from foreign artists, like Lee Darcy and all those people, to redo them. So what they really wanted us to do is to get... that they keep their publishing alive, you know, so. Well, we took the tapes and we were studying tunes apart from what we had us to sing. So after a while, when I say, OK, so where's parts? They said, Light is coming. So we say, OK, so we're going to go home then. We're not doing this thing. So Copeland came to us and said, OK, when we are here already. So let's try it and do it. So what they did, they, they brought in New Orleans Symphony Orchestra and a band called The Meters, the white band. Mm-hmm. And they played the tunes, not 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 what was expected because when we did the Ice and Fire album, that's that's the only album that well, Jamaican people don't really approve it, cause they started quarreling and say, we don't understand this. The Diamonds had this wicked right time album and then just move from them roots, just straight away and go and do that. So we had us to go back to Channel One, mm-hmm. where we did where we did uh, uh, the album Stand Up to Your Judgment. Mm-hmm.
0: This was 78 because you did, because I know on 77, that was Ice on Fire that came out for Virgin. And then in yeah. 78, Planet Earth came out for Virgin also. But also right. in 78 is when you did um stand up, stand up to Your Judgment for Channel One now. Right. So that's when you guys had to basically come back to your roots and really reform it and get it back to where it was before you guys went to Virgin.
1: Yes, and we did. We did a tune called deeper Roots, an album. Hello, soon we came
0: back to Channel One and did then. Mm-hmm. So then now you guys are back at Channel One here now, because I know in this time here, you guys even started to, at least Bunny and Tabby, they started to rass up at this time here. How come you never rasp up at that time? Or I've never really seen you rass up, period.
1: No, well, that wasn't really my thing, you know? Mm-hmm um bonnie tabby choose to dread i don't know if by chance if bonnie followed him or what but that's my perception but i never did and actually you know they say it's not because you dread that means he's arrested on the car. Hmm. i was the, 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 the man with about five more people with gadman intention who started 12 tribes. i don't know if people didn't even know that okay i used to sit around the table with Peter Phillips, the, the 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 opposition leader of Jamaica right now. We used to sit around the table as executive members, reading Bible mm. and talking to people. We are we gongs. I used to wear the gong of Zebulon from the tribe of Zebulon. Mm. No, a lot of people don't even know that. Mm. But I was the raster man in the group, even though I was a dread. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> But it's just you never really wanted to put on your locks, per se. Right. And even the president of 12th Tribe, he never dread. He wasn't that dread. Okay. You
0: learn something new every single
1: day. Then you see Morgan Heritage came and sing the song, it's not a dreadlocks thing, it's a function of the art.
0: And that's what what you believe from time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I hear you. Okay, so then now when you came back with, you guys came back now with the more rootsy album stand up in your judgment how did that how did that do for you guys career now did it now make you guys firm again or what did it do for you guys
1: yes we 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 came back we we rebound from the ice and fire tragedy and started eating the thing again you know Mm -hmm. so after a while when things really were cast the gains wasn't coming really we weren't Actually, what the Diamonds made money from was um, live shows and tours. Mm-hmm. The business sector of it was, wasn't was right. Mm-hmm. So we didn't make money from that. Even now, all publishing people just hang up on it and we're not really making real money. So we are in the process now of doing things to really collect and mm-hmm. get what from the business side of it. Because I
0: guess you went in just wanting to sing, just wanting to do music, but you didn't really yeah. understand the business of the business at that time there. Right. Got you. Because I know after Channel One, you guys connected. Was this
1: when you guys connected with Bunny Lee? No. um, a- Along the way, we, did, we didn't do more about two songs for Bunny Lee. Mm-hmm. Um. hmm See if I can remember those songs so Gunnily. Um Dreader Bless the Dreadlocks. And and another one. I think it's a, another one called You Better Be Aware. Mm-hmm. But actually, we went, we moved on to to um when we moved from Channel One, we moved up to Joe Gibbs, I think. Okay. It didn't have much to do with Joe Gibbs more than we did we, we do a, a remake out for him called keep on moving mm-hmm. and we did get a living actually what we did at Joe Gibbs we had a job to sing harmonies on other people's music we did a job even
0: though you guys had the hit records and you guys were a big group they still brought you in to do harmonies
1: yes we did that at Joe Gibbs we had, we had a, a, that was our job mm-hmm. to put harmonies on other people's records uh, we did a lot of harmonies and Dennis Brown and other people, you know? And then we went to, Ch- um, to Gussie Music Works. How did you,
0: because I know this was even before his label was even before Music Works. I think this was called, um, Gussie Root Sound at that time there, when you guys first got to him.
1: No, when we went there, it was Music Works and then it went, and then he had Anka music to it. Mm-hmm. But in the early days, Gussie, before Gussie got big. You know, because he used to push his motorcycle and sell records. Hmm. So we went to go see and we did album called Changes.
0: And this is where the monster song was on, Kochi Right. How did you guys come up with Kochi
1: <laughs> Well, actually, <laughs> a lot of people don't even know because we had to tell the story. But what really happened is that Kochi was done for the, a dub session, like To make dubs for the... um. Song sound system. Mm-hmm. So what really happened is that Bunny, Bonnie Diamonds came up with the, with the, with the, um, the words, Pass the Couch the left hand side. It's like a bun, it's like a done. Mm-hmm. That was that. And we sang it for making dubs. Mm-hmm. I went to Gussie and said to him, Gussie, you see that rhythm and thing, you know, so we could make a full song from that. And him say, all right, I'm going to England. So when I get back, Come see me and make me get down to it. So when he went to England and came back, I went to him. He gave me the cassette with the music mm-hmm. and the little piece of dub thing that Bunny wrote. So I went to with it and I write the rest of the song around it, the body of the song around it, set it to melody and arrange it. And we went into the studio and recorded it and blam, it was an like instant hit. This was a, and was this
0: more still sound system or now you guys started to get on the radio at this time here now?
1: Oh, well, sound system had a, had a lot to do still, you know, because the only other song, the only other song that had versions like Kochi, or more than Kochi, was like Satamasagana from our senior. Kochi stayed on it, when we did it locally, it stayed on the chart for 52 weeks, a whole year. Wow. And then it took off in England and overseas. Then came Musical Youths though doing a remake and that's it. They did the British Chats at 16 and then went to number one. Mm-hmm.
0: How did Musical Youths even get involved with that whole situation here to even remake a song like that?
1: Well, what really happened, I was at the studio. I go one day and I get a phone call. Mm-hmm. From Tony Owens. He was then the manager of musical youths, And he said to me, Diamond, you know, we're going to do over that tune, you know. So what do you think? I said, no problem, just do it on the man. And so, okay. So I said, all right, when to finish. Can send us some copy play here and things, And say, alright. And after that, I got another call from a man in MCA, the company, MCA. I don't know if it was a white person or a black person, but Man spoke to me and said, That tune, it didn't get any justice, so we want to do justice to it. So I said, Okay, and that was it. The hmm. tune went on the British chart at 16. And one time I was at the airport picking up somebody, and I saw the same man who taught me guitar. And he said, Judge, what are you doing here? You should have done England now. In a year, you want to tune. I said, yeah, music. you me? you said, Musical. You do one. Then that it didn't at 16. Mm-hmm. So after that, no, at that time, we had a white person managing the group from California, Name was Turk Arsenal. Mm-hmm. And he, he took us to England to deal some business with, with, with the publishing and show.
0: And that worked and the business part worked out for that
1: song there? Well. Actually, not really. Hmm. Cause what really happened? What I learned about this news business is like when a Jamaican tune hit the British chart. If they these English people, they if they're not making money from it, you can't get none. That's what I discover. When we went to England, they came a a, a, um, a company called Two Peters, They signed Publishing with me and Bonnie and they gave us an advance. And then after that, we heard nothing more from them. Right? We, when we went to England, we saw, we went there, we saw Jackie Me too in the office because they, they were the musicians who, who was um responsible for playing the music part of it. And that song was our instrumental called Full Up. mm mm-hmm. And when we then when we put lyrics on it, nobody called it full up anymore. They called it they. So we went there and saw a document too, but you know, children man, they love them drink and drunk and thing. I even mean, the officer tried to get money out of them. And then them down the road, and our next publishing officer try to do business with them too. So they get to find out and they never pay him no mind. Mm-hmm. So what really happened when we went to the office, I go even book up a, a, a old box where I used to listen, to a box when I was a you youth called Perry Downs. I don't know if you ever hear that name. I've heard that name, yep. Yeah, he was a good boxer still, but when I went there, he was in the publishing company. So <laughs> I said, what? I'll have them all back someone at the power thing right now. So anyhow, when we went there, they were having champion mm. party. Mm. So I dropped on the one side and I said, Bonnie, you know, see what's happening here. Because I said, I meet the man through my training and thing, you know. I observe him. I see the thing when I'm out. Mm-hmm. So I say wow, wow, we say you know, see a champion part of the money I keep. So we say about the tune, not our tune. We say yes, yeah. some people say I understand, now. You know what that means? A rap we are gonna get rapping now. Mm-hmm. And so You've so done. You've seen it coming. Yes, yeah, so say, so done. The only good money we made from that tune is like from PRS. Mm-hmm. When you when your tune go well, like them really and get popular and mm-hmm. thing, they play on the radio every minute. Boris collect for earplay and 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 you get beer, mm. so that's that's the most money we get from it is from PRS. because
0: that was such a world massive song where not only England, Canada, U.S. everywhere that was a huge song. Yes. Okay, so then this is around the time then where you guys met um Donovan Germain around this time here with the revolutionary songs.
1: No, well, um, Donovan Jeremy. don't no, really have nothing to do with the revolutionary songs. Mm-hmm. Revolutionary songs came from Channel One It's Sly and, and um, Ranchi and all those people. Then came Robbie and all those other people. Mm-hmm. Now, Donovan Jermyn is a man in the business where I do have no credit for him. He's not a good man. What happened? We, we brought him back on his foot. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened to him, but he was broke. Down. he came to me, not him in the group, and he said, Diamonds, are begging on our life. I remember exact words like it was yesterday. So Diamonds are begging on our life. I them mash me up. Mm. Say, yeah, man, no problem. And we took him in to the studio and we sang heads of government for him, which brought him back on his foot up to this day. Then, then after that came people like um, Boju and all those other people. And Jeremy made a lot of records. We even, even did a song, the song called Kinaki, which I wrote, It was our production, Jeremy pirated it and he sell it. And Jeremy had never ever paid a dollar for anything. You see, so I don't really have much good things to say about Jeremy, but Gussie now is a different person. Mm-hmm. Gussie is a man where Gussie don't kill the goose that lady go See, most you make you live, but by well, Dermian, very crucial. But at this paid time- You di- pay the diamonds for nothing.
0: So at this time here, you guys didn't have management taking care of those type of things here?
1: The only manager we ever had was that white man that I told you about, which was a good man. But the we know the nature of these Jamaican and managers. We didn't bother with any. It didn't make sense. mm mm-hmm. After Copeland, we never bothered with any anymore manager.
0: How long was Copeland Forbes with um the group for?
1: Copeland Forbes was with the group from when we when we ride right time till a couple years later down the road. Mm-hmm. After he left us, then he went amongst um Peter Touch. And from then on, I think Copeland managed almost every group.
0: Mm-hmm. Crazy, but you guys really gave me this break. But I know even in the 70s here, before I have some stuff I want to go to in the 80s, you guys had a role in the movie Rockers, but you guys didn't have no music in the the movie though.
1: No, because what really happened, Rockers, it was the Diamonds who were supposed to do Rockers. No, no, people didn't know that. And what really happened is that that time Copeland was managing the group, but when the people came and wanted, were searching for Copeland, it was far away in Australia. Mm. And then all of a sudden we hear that, well, it's Leroy Wallace who's going to be doing the movie and the star of the movie. So they called us and gave us a little stint in the movie. At first we wasn't going to do it, but somebody said, okay, do it, man, do it. So we did it. The stint there, uh, you notice, we did it. a little stint inside of the welding shop. Mm-hmm. If you If you watch the movie. Yes. Because
0: that's what I realized. I said, okay. You guys are in there, in the welding shop, and as you said earlier, that's what um Bunny and Tabby, they did in real life before they actually got into singing. But I always wondered, like, okay, you guys are acting in it. How come your music is not in it? And you just
1: answer that. You see, that's what really happened, because we were supposed to be the stars of the movie, but it didn't work out that way. Mm-hmm. So it was they they took, they chose Leroy Wallace or the drummer. Mm-hmm. And that was the
0: only movie that you guys were ever in?
1: Well, actually, after that, yeah, that was the only movie. We, we got that script for another movie. Mm-hmm. It was to be, I, know, you know, I don't know if you know of the movie called Mighty Queen. Of course. With uh, Denzel it, with Washington. Yes. Well, we were supposed to be in that movie. But what really happened? The movie was supposed to be named Finding Marby. Mm-hmm. It was a brother who called Mar-B that they accused him for a murder that he didn't do. So when they were doing the auditions at Ward Theatre, we went there and out of the blue sky, I said to Tabby, Tabby, We going sing Keep On Moving. Mm-hmm. And then we were singing Keep On Moving, so the white man pint and said, yeah, that tune fits what they really, you know, what the movie was really made up of. Because they had, I'd say, I've been accused for a killing Lord, I know I didn't do. So that was what it with Marby. they accused him for a killing that he didn't do. So... They gave us a big script and we wrote the theme song, Finding Marby. I wrote the song. And Parks recorded the song at Channel Run Studio. But for some reason or another, we never heard back from them. And then when the movie came out now was Mighty Queen, mm-hmm. we saw Sharon Lee Ralph, Rita Marley, and her daughters in the movie singing "Keep our movie. So actually, they put two and two together and realized what happened there. Mm-hmm. See, they cut us out of the movie and then they did what they want to do. So we didn't say anything. We just love that. We never even get paid for the audition. You see this business, you know, you have a lot of people who do some of the rocketing things, but we just hold our vibes and just continue, you know. Mm-hmm. Never make nothing bad away We never really know what happened, but we just know that. We got the script for story and then we never hear nothing again from the people until the movie came out. And the movie was named now Mighty Queen. The Mighty Queen. And then we saw people performing the song that we sing for the audition. And that was that.
0: This is why I like to have these kind of conversations, stuff that happened. But there's always a lot of things that didn't happen that a lot of people don't know about. And I mean, that's very interesting because I know around this time here too, you guys did some work with, um, Lee Scratch Perry also.
1: Okay. Yes. We, we, in the early days, we did some song of Lee Scratch Perry. And I used to lead one and two tunes at a time. And I sing a tune for Scratch, so I'll talk about it. And we actually did a big song with Susan Cadogan. It was a remake called, um, Earth So Good, that went on the British chart and did well for Susan, so Susan loved the diamonds very much. Uh, we sang that tune with her, and it went to the British chart number one. So she okay. was, she went to England and she lived there for quite a long time before she came back to Jamaica. The thing
0: with it, it seems like a lot of your massive hits had a lot to do with England at one time.
1: Yeah, English people love the diamonds, you know. Mm-hmm. Japanese, French diamonds always love all over.
0: Because I know you guys even went back, did some more work with Gus. You guys put out a couple more albums, but at this time, this was the first time I seen you guys actually record stuff for um your band member Bunny, which was on Bad Bad Gong Records, and you guys had- yes, Bunny
1: had a label called Bad Gong. Yes, he, he, he took the he took the name from the inspiration from Tofcam, called Bad Gong. And I know you guys had put out an album,
0: but this album here had Cutri on it again this time. But this was a couple of years later that you guys
1: Yes, we out. did we we did an album. I don't remember, but we did Couchy on it too, you know? Mm-hmm. Bunny Bonnie do a few productions with the group. So at that time you guys decided to form
0: your own label and start putting out your own music at one time.
1: Yes, but the only thing with um Bunny used to produce, they produced a couple a couple songs and albums with the diamonds, but for some reason, he was never able to make a hit tune with the Diamonds. I don't know why, if it's because from the production, I mean, the, 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 the producer side of it. Because even from the producer side of it, you know, you have to make a name and certain things happen. So I don't know. But from that angle, we didn't make a tune with Bunny.
0: This time here, you guys done a lot of stuff. This is bringing you guys up to the 80s where you guys are doing a lot of stuff here. Now, you guys been together for what? How easy or how hard was it to actually keep the group together?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, this question have been asked so many times. Not even me mm-hmm. know how we stay together So we do work on that because, you know, human beings and from time to time, you have arguments, you have problems, you have troubles, but what we, we did, we never really make that get in the way of the music, even, even if we have any arguments amongst one another. Like, when it's time for the music, we put aside the differences and we do what we have to do, you know? And whenever we really have this problem, like, anybody vexing them one another and I keep up this malice thing and arguments start and it run a few minutes and then I'm on us, back to normal again and that was that. It's not really easy, but we did it.
0: Mm-hmm. Because you guys were together for like over, over 50 years.
1: Well, it's past 50 years. It was past 50. It had reached about 52. Mm-hmm. Since, since the tragedy, you know, tragedy you now with Bonnie and Dary. Mm-hmm.
0: That's crazy. I know you guys even recorded a album for, who did you guys record for first? Russ Records or Mango Records?
1: Russ Records, I think, you know, we did. We did an album for Razz Records, and I think then Mango, Moment of Truth. That album was done at Tough Gang, produced by um, Mikey Coos Mm. from England. Mm -hmm.
0: So how come you guys only did one album for Mango at that time? Because Mango is like their their, uh, subsidiary of Island Records.
1: Right, but we, we only did one album and it came about because of Mikey Coles. but for some reason I don't think Ireland had loved the diamonds. They didn't like the diamonds. Why you say that? No, because at one time we and Chris Blackwell had an altercation. I don't know if Chris Blackwell has tried to smash up diamonds or what, but we were we were on the road most time we were on the road about two different times. They send Say boy, they're interested in diamonds, but they only want the lead man. So we rushed them away and said, wait you think? You don't want the only one the lead man, so what? Mm-hmm. So we never into that. And one of the time, Chris Blackwell came to Jamaica. And he, he was asking for diamonds. diamond. So somebody told us that. And this person who told us that, we know he wasn't telling any lie. He said Chris Blackwell asking for diamonds. So at the time it was, it was Shirtan, the name of the hotel was Shirtan, New Kingston. Mm-hmm. I took money and we went to Shirtan just in time to see Chris Backwell, came coming out of the um the lobby. And we approached him and said, Mr. Blackwell, are you say you're asking for diamonds? And he said, no, I'm not asking for the diamonds. Mm-hmm. So I said to him, so you need to tell me that uh, those persons that tell you, say you're asking for diamonds, you are trying to say it's not like that. So why did they tell us that? So we realized he was maybe still after the same incident like he wanted to get to be. So me and Bonnie, we rush him away. We run him. Hmm. So upper car, you use a millionaire. thing, so you think are going to just come and just do you want. So people have them things farmed together. Well, what they wanted. They always, what they did, these people doing you know, are not for them. What they came amongst a group, what they do is they take out the lead singer and they do what they want to do. If you notice, when the group started, it was wheelers, And after that, they named it Bob Marley and the Wheelers. It was Metals. Then they called it Toots and the Metals. One of the times, somebody came to us and said, we should call the group Little Donald Shaw and the Diamonds. I said, why are you telling me that? I said, this is the Diamonds. I said, no man is going to make him a personal name. Amongst me, I work and help him make him personally, and then he walk with it. I said this is the Diamond. I said, why you didn't say, Little Light Ferguson, on the Diamond? <laughs> so, in could answer, so I say, Watch this is the Diamond. And then, they had the mighty to it. <laughs> So anytime time they decided to split the group, they, they started separating, you know, Little Donald Trump on the diamonds, and then, you know, the lead man gone, they took him. That's how they used to do these things. Enough people don't know. But so for that reason, that. I don't think Chris Blackwell really liked the Diamonds, or even Ireland then, because how we did that that album, moment of Truth, was because of Mikey Cruz, that uh, maybe he forced them and got money from them and produced the album. <laughs> and he noticed the not never do anything because they don't promote They're, they're not interested in Diamonds. It was just because of
0: Mikey Cruz is why he got it through there, but that was it. Nothing really happened. Right. And it was a good album. Mm-hmm. Talking about Bob Marley, did you guys ever perform or record or be in the same studio with Bob Marley and the Wheelers or any of them at the same time?
1: Not in the same studio, but we worked the same show, so, away but it was uh, I friend no friend was a person that uh, we know well. I used to there uh, in place at the time, sometime, and think. We knew all them children and well, like Ziggy and them, you know, we are we,
0: we good friends. It's a Trenchtown connection because there's also people like Joe Higgs, Garth Dennis, and a lot more people that came from Trenchtown.
1: Okay, because what happens that we were the person who took Joe Higgs to um, California and he just lived there and then he came back.
0: So that was a connection with Joe Higgs from a long time ago?
1: Yes. We had, we, when the white man was managing our group. Mm-hmm. We we andrews went to do a tour there for it. So that's when Drew Hicks came to California and he didn't he didn't come back to Jamaica.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Got you there.
0: So then now connecting with um Ross Records. I think that's just right over there. How did you guys connect and how was that over there recording the album for Ross now?
1: The Ross Records c- came about because of publisher that we did with up to today, um, called um Mark Antoine. Mm-hmm. He was the one who got us a deal with Ross Record for an album. The album was produced by Bunny Diamond. Okay. And, and that's the best deal we have ever gotten from, for an album in terms of advance. Mm-hmm. So how, it was only one album you guys did for us? Yes, only one. Mm-hmm.
0: How come only one?
1: Well, I don't know. Um, Ross Record never really see. Um recording from the diamonds. We approached him with our album. Mm-hmm. And and the deal was what's tied up between him and the publisher.
0: Mm-hmm. Got you. Cause I know you guys did um some a lot of work with green sleeves also. They put out a lot of your music too.
1: Well, not we did the work with green sleeves. Gussie gave him those things. Gussie mm-hmm. Clark gave Green Sleeves whatever he got.
0: Okay, so those those works were through Gussie Clark there. So would you say Gussie Clark, basically that was some of the best times of the Diamonds would have been with Gussie Clark?
1: In terms of person-to-person, like humanitarian, mm-hmm. Gussie is is good. Like I say, Gussie, he don't kill the boost that lays a like. Gussie will make you survive. But man like Germany and them people, eh, no. Jojo never paid us for nothing. All them songs here, right time of mercy. I need a roof over my head. People think we make millions from that. Jojo, Channel One, they paid us nothing. What we got money from was doing live shows. Mm-hmm. Jojo but can't show you one receipt. It'll if you know. So when you... Jojo up, and he might give you $1,500 for the whole year. You're mm-hmm. not get another cent from him. And in those days, you can't you sell out like 60,000 copies. 145 in three weeks. Mm-hmm. No man at all about each one 2,000 copies. 60,000 copies in three weeks. Mm-hmm. The Jews were there, they pay us for nothing. Mm-hmm. But people just... don't really know. So they thought that the diamond supposed to be rotten rich. And actually, all they do was, they send the thing and keep the money for themselves and they pay us, They didn't give us our own. Mm-hmm.
0: Is this something now where I guess your publishers or whoever is dealing with your business, they're looking into the stuff like that, right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cause those are some massive amount of super work that you guys did there, especially that first album. That's to this day, yeah. those are classical hits. Yes. Sir. Was there, cause I know at one time, and I think it was 2015, Bunny had gotten sick. And you guys had another band member on the road at that time
1: there? Yes, when Bonnie took sick and we brought in this this virgin from um from Florida. Mm-hmm. So he was there. And in the early song of the time, you know, when I used to have some travel problems and don't get him visa, like I used to go on the road with Ken Bob and Bonnie Diamonds. Okay. See, so I do a couple tours, you know, Tabby.
0: So it was always all three of you guys, but sometimes, I guess, because of traveling and stuff like that, you'd have to bring somebody else on the road.
1: Yeah, but when Capo came, now it was me, Tabby, and Capo. Because mm-hmm. Bunny had, to, had taken sick. What had happened to Bunny at that time there? Bunny um, had a stroke. Mm-hmm. And I'm couldn't go on the road unfortunately, he never really gets to come back to the group.
0: He didn't get to come back. So was he sick leading up to the stroke or the stroke was just something that happened one day out of the blue?
1: No, it was something. One day he was driving out, out of a parking lot and he got the stroke. Mm-hmm. But he recovered and, thing and he was fully sensible and even up to his death. But I think... What my knowledge are I think is that he when he heard of Tabby tragedy, then that's what took him out, you know? mm mm-hmm. Shock. Yeah. He got another stroke. Okay. So I think, I, I think that was the third one. That was the third one. So his I guess he couldn't
0: stand up or he couldn't sing, or it was just best for him not to go on the road after he
1: had. No, what what really happened? He yeah, had was to be in a wheelchair you now, he couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. But at first it wasn't like that, Uh, he was coming on and I don't know. seemed like things take a turn for the worse because then no, he had to go in a wheelchair, not walking no more. That was, that was the problem. Mm
0: -hmm. Okay. So then the first, the first member that actually got sick was Bunny. So then they left you, Tabby and Capone on the road doing all this stuff. Did
1: you guys actually record an album with Capone also? Kappo, oh no, we didn't record an album with Kappo. Anybody mm-hmm. didn't any record
0: mm-hmm. so it with only So it was always, at this time there, it was always you and Tabby doing the recording?
1: Yes, the last album, we had a new album, we had finished half of it. <laughs> it was just me and Tabby. Mm-hmm. We, we had finished about five songs. So, and then the tragedy came, came about. Before we even get
0: to the tragedy, there's one highlight that I wanted to highlight. In 2021, you guys um, received the honor, the Order of Distinction. How did it feel to receive that type of honor from
1: Jamaica? Well, it felt good knowing that we should have gotten it years ago. But, you know, it came true. Mm-hmm. Good good too, it came before the, 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 the man them passed, you know. So that was that. But it was good because it, it, it's really it really stem like a milestone, it's an achievement where there's a strike not anybody will really get it. I can get it. I mm-hmm. to really do something you know and be qualified for 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 such you know For sure. so I look at it in that in that way.
0: Let's get into this this stuff here now with um Tabby. When was the last time before the incident happened where you had a conversation with Tabby?
1: And hey, the same day it happened. Same I spoke day. with Tabby. Yes. We, 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 were, we had a tour to do in Africa. So he called me and asked for passport particulars and what have you, and I gave it to him. That was about one o'clock in the day. Then about 9.40 in the night. I got a call from my daughter, my biggest daughter, say, if I don't hear the news, and, and I say, what news? say, boy, we just hear that topic got shot up and he's dead. He you know, the shock took me, but the... the whole thing I was strong enough to withstand it, because I didn't expect fear not like that. Mm-hmm. And so I was silent for a while, and my daughter said, daddy, you there? You there? I said, yes, I am here. Just a trifle complain, we just said to me. I just saw say it's not true, right? So I even said to her, I said, Well, so then can't go i mean, just a whoop said no, it's not, it's not true. Mm-hmm. But the, the 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 reality came on later, so it was really true. Then about three days down the road, then comes bunny. Like a back to back thing, you know. One tragedy and one sick. How did that make you feel knowing
0: that these are people that you grew up with? You're in a group with them for 52 years. How did that make you feel? Not even as a group member, just as an individual, a person?
1: Well, uh, it, it is <laughs> a kind of, is a devastation where I don't, I don't know how much people get the experience like that, where I get, mm-hmm. and none of the, the two of man, them, them, family don't get the experience we make it because and of the them worked together 50 years and but you see, so the two of them just die like that, mm-hmm. one behind the other. think <laughs> it's the strangest thing ever. You see, they couldn't even comprehend it. it was a died of something I tried to think about certain things That's certain vice. At one time, they wanted us to do the funerals in one. I was just hoping that they didn't do that. How come? Because if they had both of them, at one funeral, and the two caskets there in front of me. Mm. I... I don't know how I would take that. So, I prefer it was to go, one after the other. Well, the family didn't want that to happen, like, together thing, so, they did it one after the other, so that was kind of little easier for me. Mm. Because I worked with them two men of 50 years and then now, I get come stand up in front of them, I, I sing over them, and I cast it for them. Hmm. N- nobody really would have get the, 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 the shot where I get that experience, right? For me, that happened too. Mm-hmm.
0: I definitely understand. Is there a special moment a memory conversation that you had, one with Bunny, one with Tabby, that you'll never forget? One special. One. I know you guys had a million, but one that stands out in your mind forever.
1: Well, I can't think of a memory right now, where because we have been through so many things, mm-hmm. you know, from time to time. But one, one, one thing that stands out in my mind was the first show that at Hunter's College, first time leaving Jamaica and. You know, the reception, and we met a lot of people who migrated before us. Mm-hmm. was in America that we grew up with before us, and they all surfaced to see what was happening, and we came back together like a family. You know? So, well, my fond memories is like that first show that we did, in mm-hmm. you know, it years ago.
0: That sticks out in your mind the most. And is yeah. there something that Tabby said to you one time that you'll never forget, or even Bunny said to you that you'll never forget? Just what? It could have been so small, just something.
1: Well, not really, no. not really. Because, like the vibes with Tabby, like going up doing music together, most of the time we don't really see Tabby, you know, mm-hmm. we don't really see one another. Okay, And you know that a group's supposed to rehearse, like I said, really, God put this together and keep it, you know, because group's supposed to rehearse. And from we make the first, it's true and thing and thing, you know. This group I don't rehearse again, you know, because of Tabby. Because of Tabby, don't really in fit. Mm-hmm. We don't suffer meet and sing.
0: Mm-hmm. I know when you're in a trio... There's three people, everybody brings their own part to the table and all that. So then now that the two members have passed, what's, what's the next move for the diamonds? Is there another move or where are you with this whole situation right now?
1: Well, I do a couple of interviews and I all ask what my intention You know, I say, well, my intention is to move on with the legacy. Mm-hmm. You see, so my intention right now I'm in the process of getting people together. But, you know, it has to be like professional, experienced people because the diamond, they, mean, we, can't, we can't be like, come listen what we was, like, you know, below power or anything like that. So it has to be real good. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm working on right now. But pretty soon, because I really identified some people already and we are working. So, pretty soon, I will disclose. You know, mm-hmm. and get around with it. What's I will disclose what? who they are. Pretty soon, and then get around with whatever.
0: Good. The good thing with it is that, as you said, you're preserving the legacy and you're moving forward with the legacy because a group with fifty years, feet fifty two years feet on the ground. That's a lot of legacy, right there, boss. Yes. You understand. 46 or 47 albums you guys recorded together?
1: Uh, actually I think it's 47. Yeah.
0: 47. What would you say are your, your favorite three albums that you guys recorded?
1: Favorite three albums? Mm-hmm. <laughs> for the 47, well, the first one I know will be right then. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know, I can't say for any other, you know, cause there's so much of them. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I hear some songs I have to listen because I say, oh, that's a diamond. I did not even You remember that it was a diamond. <laughs> I started hearing it and say, oh, that's not true. Mm-hmm. But it's so many. Uh, you, uh, you have an album with all 20 had in one album. Mm-hmm.
0: No, that's that's crazy. The legacy, the diamonds, what you've guys done, what you guys bring to the table, the tours, the shows, everywhere. Is there any country that you guys haven't been to as a group yet
1: well we have been to all the places that reggae is popular Mm -hmm. and in America the only place we have not been is Alaska yeah (laughs) but we have been everywhere all over Europe Eastern Europe Japan Mm -hmm. Brazil Mexico everywhere and and we've been some places in the Caribbean but We have never done a Caribbean tour like an island, never, ever. Okay.
0: Big. You've had this career from 1969 till right now. What would you say would have been the highest point in your career so far?
1: The highest point in terms of? In terms of
0: feeling good everything is working we're flowing the energy is right the highest point in your career
1: well <laughs> i would say but well, i yeah, it's going in my career like when i really see things are moving and we travel all over and everything just right and you just feel good you mm-hmm. know i say well diamonds it was fitting to, to be here or, you know to, to do the work then mm-hmm. You know, because it actually came true. What we were working for came true. It paid off.
0: You know? Perfect, right there. Last one I have for you. What is Mr. Judge's legacy? When it's all said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? Well, when
1: I think about what I want people to feel about me, like, and to know about me, the person that I really am, mm-hmm. I, am I am a gentle, humble, Easy person to get along with. Like if you watch my face, you, you, you might get thrown off because the, the Father gave me a face to protect myself. Mm. He knows that I am a soft-hearted person, so he gave me a face that when the wicked see me, they might stay away. But if you get close to me and get to know me, you see that I am a good person, mm-hmm. you know? So I would like my legacy to be, like people to know me for the person that I am. I am I'm a pure-hearted person I have no enemies there's mm-hmm. not a second man that I think that I don't like or I have a hang up or any problems with anyone I am pure in art I wish for the, the the love of the world everybody to live in love and share what we have here on earth what is the fight nothing you bring in this world nothing you can take off see so why, why we can't live in peace and live in love and share the world that the Lord has provided for us? You know, I don't understand why. You, you can't carry with nothing. So why you want to gain the whole world and lose your own soul? Mm. You know, people should get their heart pure, get cleansed. Pure in heart, for they shall see God. You have to be pure. Why, 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 why are you running down the world, material luxury? You can't carry away nothing from you. I gave a, a, a speech in Spain, and all, all people stand up and give me a standing ovation, and I tell them, what you doing? Red, pink, white, black or blue, what you fighting for? Nothing belongs to you. All that a man have is what he's holding until such time. And it only works that way with one side having so much and the other side having none. It only works that way because of the way a man does it. But God didn't say it should have been working that way. People, God make people live in love and share the world and praise Him. You know? That's why I really think about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I have no enemies. No enemies that I think say, I don't like her, I don't like this man or that woman. No, I don't have that. Mm -hmm. Listen, if there's one
0: thing I've learned in this conversation is that it's really just because you don't have the locks, that 100% does not mean that you're not a Rasta. And I'm leaving this conversation calling you Rasta judge. That's what I'm calling you leaving this conversation. You understand? Right, right. Mm -hmm. No, man, it was very insightful, very open, and even your memory. Your memory is amazing to remember these stuff from in the 60s, 70s, 80s, and doing so much, too. You understand? Yeah. Mr. Judge, thank you so much, and I got a big up spliffy red, gold, and green for actually making this conversation happen between the two of us here. You understand? Okay. Okay. All right. Now, are you... Is there like a website or anything they could check out where they could see what's going on with the Diamonds, where they could check out who the new members are going to be when you announce it and stuff like that?
1: Well, I think we have a Facebook page and we have, well, I think we have things to put out on YouTube also, so it will be easy. They will know what's going on.
0: All right. I'll add the Facebook information so people could see it, so people could check it out, but Mr. Judge, Thank you so much for sitting down and doing this with me today.
1: Yeah, man. My pleasure. Yeah.
0: Definitely. Big up yourself. Let me give you an outro and get you out there because this conversation, amazing. I've learned so much. I knew some, but after this conversation, I realized I didn't know any, but I've learned (laughs) a lot in this one. Okay. All right, Mr. Judge. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is Muscle, and this has been another Two Line Music Hut's Entertainment Report podcast, and we are out. This podcast is brought to you by www.twolinesmusiccut.com.